0: Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Verzeal. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, you know what to do. Like and subscribe on YouTube, five-star review on Apple, five-star review on Spotify, give it all to us because we appreciate it. And you know who appreciates the most? My incredible guest today. I have Larry Berger. He's the senior producer of sports video at USA Today, formerly of MSG Varsity Network and over 50 years at the NBA. Larry, how you doing today, man?
1: Doing great, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: The pleasure is all mine, Larry. Excited to get to talk to you about what you've done, video production, hanging out with Michael Jordan. I mean, there's a lot of lists, a lot of questions I get to ask, but the first one on the For the Love of Sports podcast, Larry, is why do you love sports so much?
1: That's a great question. Um, It started when I collected... Baseball cards in kindergarten, and I had a shopping cart, shopping bag full of baseball cards. And my mom would test me by covering up virtually the entire card, and I could tell you the names of the of the players that were that were pictured on the card by just seeing the background of the card. And um, that's where it started. And then, of course, playing little league and collecting autographs, going to the baseball Hall of Fame in 1978. As a seven year old, and getting to meet the legends of sports like Satchel Page and Ernie Banks and Roy Campanella and players that played in the turn of the century, the early 1900s, Rube Marquardt and Burley Grimes, and all these people that I knew did extraordinary things but didn't know exactly what they did. So I'd have to go to the library and do research on them. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it snowballed. And then um, getting into uh, sports journalism as a 16-year-old and getting into college and being the sports director of the college radio station. It's really one of the very few things I'm good at is sports and sports knowledge in particular. And uh, it's just been a passion of mine for, for as long as I can remember.
0: Too humble, man. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you're good at. Don't ask your wife, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of good things that you're very good at, and I'm kind of curious. Let's start the conversation there on the sports media side. Everybody, right? What 15-year-old, what 16-year-old doesn't want to talk about sports for the rest of their life, right? It sounds awesome. It sounds easy. They see Stephen A. Smith on TV. They see a Sports Center anchor. What kid that watched Center wasn't like, that's the coolest job on earth. I want to do that. Uh, it's a lot more difficult than it sounds, right? It's a lot more. It's a lot harder. There's a lot of people that also want that job, right? You don't realize that at 16. What was it at a young age that actually pushed you to say, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to shape my life. When everyone else is watching sports, I want to be there. I want to have to, I want to get the opportunity to report on it. Where, where does that come from?
1: Michael, it comes from really having laser focus on wanting to do something that I love, that I'm passionate about and figuring out a way to make it happen. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's supply and demand. The amount of people that want to get into this profession and make a nice living and travel the country and sit down with their sports idols and talk to them about sports, its 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 the numbers are outlandish. And, um, you know, again, maybe we can get into it a little bit later on. But it's about creating an edge for yourself. How are you going to distinguish yourself from the thousands? And I mean thousands. I don't say that. I don't say that metaphorically. I say that literally. How are you going to separate yourself from the pack? And it's something that I work very hard at in trying to figure out how am I going to separate myself from the pack? It started at a very early age, and, and, and now you have to start it at, at an even earlier age. So, I, I mean, you know, I have a six-year-old son and I'm already uh, starting to get him um, into that mindset about how to get those that are the decision makers to become emotionally vested in his success. And it's pretty early. He's six, like I said, but it, but it's a good lesson to uh, to start on as early as possible.
0: I 100% agree. So I don't know if, uh, oh, shout out Ross, by the way. He's incredible. Got me this interview. He always gives me the best interview, so I appreciate him for that. I don't know if Ross told you, but I actually wrote a book on how to get a job in sports because I had no idea how to do it. So I said, well, I've had you know 250 plus interviews. Why don't I just take some of the awesome conversations I've had with these people, put it into a book so you can go and get it on Amazon. I also put it for free in the show notes called Winning in Sports Business. And I completely agree. I go and speak with colleges. I have an aspiration to be a college professor because I want to share all this information. And I totally, 100% agree. You have to do something, right? You call it an edge. I say you have to do something different. You have to be... Everyone's going to have a good GPA. Everyone's going to come from a good school. Everyone has a cool uncle that works at Bank of America. Everyone, right? The list goes on and on, and you're 100% correct. It is thousands and thousands of people that want these jobs. How are you going to separate yourself? And personally, how I did it was I had this podcast, right? Like, I just continue to talk to people and continue to talk to people and grow the network. I think that's extremely important. So I think it's really interesting that so many people in sports media is is an even different beast than I guess you could say the rest of the sports industry, right? The rest of the sports business side of things outside of being an athlete, it's a little bit more, um, it's a little less, I guess we'll just say it's a little less sports media is a lot. You're always on, you always have to do something. You're always getting to be there and always having that opportunity how how did you deal with and how do you teach students your son anybody on dealing with that mental grind because it is you know at 24 there's so much burnout already in this type of industry because hey for broadcasters you know it's I love baseball but if I called the Somerset Patriots baseball game every night and my aspirations was to call the Yankees it's gonna get tough after four or five years of doing that making 20 grand a year right like how do you how do you help students how do you help young people, how do you help career changers understand just the mental grind of this entire entire thing?
1: Well, first of all, let me say, I am a big Somerset Patriots fan, because my, really? my son loves Anthony Volpe. And, love, it, uh, love it, love it, love it. Uh, my son was actually in a video with Anthony, Anthony Volpe where Anthony asked my son for an autograph, and it got about 400,000 views. But I understand where you're coming from, 100%. And the other thing that I would, would agree with you on is about colleges and, and learning, and, and I, I'm not sure that colleges really explain the whole process. You know, it's more so about be the best you can be and be the best producer and editor and host and all that sort of thing, and and, and I find that a lot of college students are putting all their eggs in that basket of being the best at, at, at the profession, when in reality, that's just a part of the equation. It's about relationships and who's going to go to bat for you and who's going to give you an opportunity and 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 where are you going to how are you going to break in and that doesn't always go or shall I say it very infrequently goes to the the, the person that is you know the Albert Einstein of sports video production you, you know you know what I'm saying so I think that that's an interesting point but you talked about burning out at a very early age. I understand why it happens because looking for a job in this profession is constant rejection, constant no. can, can you do this? You, you know can I can I work for you? No, you know, can, can I what about this? No. And, and I find that the difference is in college, the professors and those that you're around try to figure any way possible, that your idea will work and 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 like it has potential and you know you can you can do it you can make it work and then you're in the real world and it's you know the decision makers are telling you every possible way that your idea your hypothesis your skill set won't work complete opposites and um you know you talked about um i think you alluded to mental health and um as a 24 year old if you're not Making your way in this profession, you really have to understand that that's more par for the course as opposed to abnormal. It's nothing personal and you really have to um, take inventory of your emotions and, and address them and and don't just hide them because they are real. They are legit and if you don't deal with them eventually, it's going to lead to more serious mental health issues, depression, anxiety, th- those sort of things. What I've found is, um, and of course I'm not a 24-year-old looking for, for a, a job, but you know, when I get to those points, like everybody does, that I'm feeling a little anxious or I'm getting a lot of rejection, I volunteer. That's what I do. And that helps me mentally. It helps me to work with others and help others. And it, it, it really puts me in a better um, frame of mind. But, but getting back to your original point, it's, it comes with the rejection over and over and over. And we're human, <laughs> you know. We don't like rejection all the time. So um, I think it's very important that you really understand that what you're feeling is normal. But you do have to go through the correct processes of dealing with it and, and effectively dealing with it. And in that way, you can avoid um, you know, serious mental health issues.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I mean, it's definitely something that has to be on the forefront and it's definitely something that you need to talk to. I mean, first yourself about, right. You have to be honest with yourself and open about these things, but then definitely go talk to somebody else, whether that's a close friend or Hey, maybe it's Larry or myself. I'm sure we're more than willing to have a 15 minute conversation with someone. And I think that's the, that's the difficult part. Like I, I agree with you on the college side, right. You put it in a really interesting way. Like in college, everything's like, yeah, let's make this work. Let's figure out how to get this to work. And then, you know, I'm here in corporate America and everything's like, no, why would we do that? It's like, oh, what do you mean, why would we do that? It's like, oh, well, why, why would we do that? Like, we, we know how things are done and we can continue to do them the way they are. And, you know, it's a lot of top down rather than bottom up kind of stuff. And I think it's really interesting that you're coming at it from that perspective because I think it's really important for people to hear, right? It's, it's very important for people to hear what, needs to be done and how it gets to be done. And especially in this industry, there is a lot of burnout. Um, not in particularly in my field, thankfully. I mean, I'm sure there are. But in media, in if you're working for a team, if you're selling tickets, if you're doing corporate sponsorships, you're, you're going to be working the corporate sponsorships. You're working the phone lines and emails all day. And then, oh, you're going to the game because you're schmoozing the corporate sponsors later that night. And oh, now you're not getting home to like, I don't know, 12 one o'clock in the morning and you're waking up you got to be back at the office by nine like the burnout is truly truly real and I've found that a lot of people unfortunately that is the downfall in this industry I guess for you how how were you able to get in with a gig like the NBA right you were there for freaking 15 plus years man like that's an incredible incredible piece of your career started around 1993 I guess what was it for you how were you able to to break in into an industry into specifically an organization that allowed you to flourish over, you know, the next decade and a half.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's about, um, you know, I, 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 it's about relationships. That's uh, first and foremost. Um, well, I would say, I would say relationships. I, I, I graduated college. I had done some interesting internships at Madison square garden at, at WWOR channel nine uh, came out of college with all this confidence. You know, my college is building me up. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread and I couldn't find a job, and I ended up selling um, clothing at Abraham and Straps, which is a department store like Macy's. And somebody there – you know, and I was making like $4 an hour plus commission, but um, I made no commission because I couldn't sell anything. I was the worst jeans salesperson alive. <laughs> couldn't sell and Everybody anything.
0: needs jeans. Everybody needs jeans, so we'll yeah. put that in perspective.
1: Yeah, they didn't want to buy from me though. Like for some reason, they didn't want to buy from me. But somebody there at a knew somebody at the NBA. And and, and again, it's about relationships. And uh, I also think luck it pl- plays a very significant part um, in the in getting into the uh, industry.
0: Nope. I'm going to have to stop you there, Larry. We don't believe in luck on this show. I'm sorry. No <laughs> such thing as luck.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: A lot of hard work, putting yourself in the right place. It's interesting. The harder you the, – the, the more work and the better you do – the harder work you do, the luckier you become. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, luck doesn't but, exist. That's but, just a personal thing, though.
1: But, Michael, I, I would say, first of all, I, I totally respect what you're saying. But, but like, when you work hard and you put yourself in a certain position, like, I think the residue of that is luck. Like, you're in a position to get the luck. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, but, but you have to work hard yep. to get the luck. So that's just... Exactly. Cool. That's
0: I... Cool. I, I just for the- no I, I, we're, I'm, I'm battling semantics here. that's just like a, a, a funny little joke I have on the show right like <laughs> you, you're not gonna get you're gonna get luckier going out to a networking event or, or working hard than you are if you're sitting high on your couch in your basement. Bingo. right You're not gonna get lucky down there. You're gonna get lucky if you're putting yourself out there. So that's kind of a little bit of semantics but yeah, I agree with you.
1: Totally. I, I'm, we're, we're on the same page. so um, so I, I ended up working at at AS somebody there knew somebody at the NBA. I got the job interview. Um, The person I interviewed with, uh, a gentleman by the name of Don Sperling, who's the VP of video for the New York Giants currently, um, he was an Albany graduate, which is where I went to college. And, you know, from the the jump, you know, I was telling him about all my tremendous accomplishments as an 18-year-old. You know, I I interned at MSG and Channel 9, and he's like, he looks at me and he says, wow, so basically you could come in here and run the NBA because that background is something special. <laughs> so I got the point where he was coming from. But he, you know, again, we went to the same college. But in addition to that, you know, I I like to think I'm, you know, I, I follow sports incredibly closely. Um, I had, you know, um, a skill set at that point that he can, mold, you know, into, you know, via the NBA way in, into a quality employee. And I, I like to think that that's what happened. Uh, I was there for 15 years. I had the most unbelievable experiences traveling the country, sitting down with Will Chamberlain and Jordan and LeBron and Kobe and Shaq and Dirk and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, working on documentaries and tracking down Um, players and those that attended Will Chamberlain's 100-point game in 1962 for a documentary and um, just the experiences were incredible from a basketball fan's perspective but also being able to learn how to treat people and be treated and carry a conversation in an interview and really to this day understanding best practices and worst practices in terms of you know, uh, interview subjects, how they present themselves and what they talk about, which I use to this day, um, in doing media training, which I do for elite amateur athletes, you know, some of whom, some of whom are currently starring in, in, in the professional ranks. It was just a tremendous experience. And like you mentioned, I started in 1993 and it was very difficult to get a job then. But I I would say a few years after that, everybody realized, hey, this is kind of cool, you know, getting to do some, you know, really interesting, fun, exciting stuff with great people and um, getting paid for it. And um, it went from being very difficult to get an entry level job to being virtually impossible to to getting an entry level job. And, um, you know, I'm just very fortunate, very, very fortunate that I was able to land the job at the NBA and then, um, ascend, um, up through, you know, the ranks within the company. And I, I never took it for granted, um, about the experiences that I was, the life that I was leading, you know, thanks to working there.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, that is incredible. Uh, Absolutely. Fantastic story. I'm going to have some follow-up questions. One point, I just wanted to, uh, make sure that we make one more time, as you said, the NBA was able to mold you. You're going to learn a lot in college. You learn, I think I learned more six months out of college than I did in the four years that I was there. The company that you're going to, they're going to tell you what to do and how to do it. It's not, none of this stuff is, unless you're literally going to be a rocket scientist or like a brain surgeon, which they'll probably teach you everything you need to know out of school too, right? Uh, It's a lot of this stuff. And for anyone out there listening, you need to understand like, you have to present yourself in a way that is moldable, as you said, especially for those lower entry-level positions. You have to present yourself in a way that allows people to understand that you're not rigid, you are fluid, the things can change and things can move. I guess in those first few years, especially going back to, again, 1993, what was it like in the beginning? Because video production and and documentaries, all these things weren't quite what they are now, right? There's so many advances. And now there's like a documentary for any subject you could think of. But back then, and specifically in the NBA, right, there's always the famous like, well, in the 80s, the the NBA finals were tape delayed, right? Like that's... Whoa, okay, like when you put that in perspective, that was like 40 years ago that the NBA finals, the NBA finals were on tape delay, meaning nobody cared. And you're in 1993, so you're a couple years out of it, right? This is the beginning of the Jordan era. Magic and Bird just did their thing. What was that like? What was the energy like and what was what was that environment like to be in? As you said, it got really cool. A couple years later it got really cool. But what was it like to be able to learn in that type of environment in a essentially an upstart league in a in a medium that really wasn't as fleshed out, especially as, as it is now.
1: Wow, so much to unpack in that question. <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry. I asked like a million questions at once. I apologize. That's no, one of my, my flaws, it, it, but I get so excited. I want to know all the answers. I just ask them all and hopefully you answer something. <laughs>
1: totally, totally. And I, we're, we're totally on the same wavelength. I, let me just go back to one thing that you said about um, you know the young people in the, in the profession. I think you're alluding to yeah, the absolutely. word that I like to use, likability. Is, is extremely important. Being able to be molded, as you mentioned, it's, you know, important. I like to use the word likability, but it, it's exactly what you're saying, Michael, as well. But um, I think both of those words really sum up, um, you know, what, what is needed. Um, 1993, that was the year that the Phoenix Suns played the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. Uh, Michael Jordan was going for his, um, his first three-peat. The um, environment that I was working within was, I, I've never had a rush in my life um, as I did during those playoffs, working around the clock, logging tapes. So the games would be um, shot at, at the arena and they would be overnighted, you know to Secaucus, New Jersey, and we would open the boxes and we'd have the game shot from, I, I don't know, 10 different angles. And myself, my job, along with a few others, was to watch all the, all the videos and into the computer log the time codes as to when each play uh, or cutaway was of note. And that would be utilized for a number of different um, uh, purposes. NBA Inside Stuff, NBA Action, and the ultimate, which was the championship video, which you could rent at Blockbuster. And, and and that's really what we what we what I worked on, and it was a a team of let's say twenty editors and producers and production assistants and loggers, and the energy was off the charts, and the creativity and the sharing of ideas and the sharing you know of the senior level uh, people with the with the junior level people, and and it was just it was incredible, and and, and it's all. Um, revolving around creating content with Michael Jordan dunks and packs and three pointers and Charles Barkley on, on the suns and Richard Dumas. I don't know if you remember him, but he was a star uh, for the Phoenix suns at the time. He had a very short lived career, but um, it was, it was just the memories of it were incredible. And, and my job was, you know, equal parts learning equal parts contributing and equal part ordering food uh, for the crew. So I I would be in charge of ordering Chinese takeout, Chinese food takeout in, in, I remember in Hoboken and I I think there was like, you know, seven people like spending the night at the office, myself included. And I think the bill was like $400 (laughs) of, of Chinese takeout. My job was, you know, in my Toyota Tercel 1984, um, Toyota Tercel to go to Hoboken and, and bring all that food back to the office and keep everybody, uh, keep everybody happy. But, um, we didn't realize the hours that we were putting in. It was just, um, you know, just trying to be on the cutting edge of creativity, finding the best elements possible, you know, for all the different, um, shows that we were producing and, and the home video. And, um, Above all, being a part of a team with one goal in mind and everybody rowing in the same direction. And it was special. It was absolutely a very special time.
0: What is it like when an employer like the NBA empowers you to be able to utilize that creativity? And as you said, the senior level, the entry level, being able to kind of be on that same wavelength – What is it like when you're allowed to freely do what you were hired to do? I feel like so many people are hired to do things and then they're not allowed to make decisions. It's like, why'd you hire me then? What was that like?
1: Well, I mean, it was within, within, um, you know, within within, reason. reason, And and, and there was, you know, executives that would would check everything. But you're right, Michael. Um, I mean, it really was. um, You you know what it is? I I, kind of use this expression for a number of things. It's like making chicken parmesan. You know, you can't mess it up. You know, do you want to use the Michael Jordan crazy dunk with his tongue out from the free throw line from the low foul line angle? Do you want to go high tight? <laughs> do, you want it, do you want it from the opposite angle? You, it's like chicken parmesan. You, you know, it's, it's it's fried chicken. It's sauce and cheese. You can't mess it up. Hopefully that
0: answers your Uh, question. It it doesn't, but I love that answer. That is absolutely fantastic. And I think it's just important that, you know, you're making it sound very easy. But as you said, there's long hours. There's a lot of work that is going into this. And you're doing a lot, which I think is pretty funny. And the glamour of getting to drive to Hoboken to pick up all that Chinese food. I mean, now I want Chinese food for dinner, but I think we're making some tacos tonight. But I just think, I think it's really important for people to understand like those entry-level jobs. There There is the picking up the Chinese food aspect of it. But then there's also the opportunity that you can go back and look at that 1993 tape and you could say, I did that. That's me. I, I picked that shot right there. As you said, it's you know, there was only so many shots and they all look great, but you still pick that one. And I think that's kind of cool, especially in the world of sports, that young people get the opportunity to do those things. Like I see things on ESPN and I've seen things other places. And I'm like, well, I put that there. That was me. I did that. And I think it's really cool. And then that, that that fulfillment, that opportunity that comes with it, not too many other industries give you that, especially at a lower level, uh, entry level position, which I think is pretty cool. And your time at the NBA, again, it spans a very long time. Um, when did you get into the interview side of things? When did you get into the content? I guess we can call it, I don't know what you guys called it back then. We call it content now. I don't know what you guys called it back then. When did you kind of transition over to the producing of that type of content and working on the longer form, the interviews, the, the one-on-ones, the working directly with players, that aspect of the business?
1: Very soon after I started, there, there was a great um, uh, progression that they had. You started out as a logger, then went to production assistant, then went to editor, then associate producer, then producer, then senior producer. There was a path. And, and very soon after um, I started, um, I was sent to work for NBA Action. Which was a weekly highlight show, one of the longest-running um, highlight shows in the history of sports television, and um, it was it was a perfect match for who I was. Basketball, sports, like rebounds per game, points per game. You know, it wasn't you know about um, you know some of the other things, which um, you know it, it was it was really focused on the nuts and bolts of basketball. We were very fortunate that our office was in Secaucus, New Jersey, which was literally three miles from the Meadowlands, which is where the Nets played, and a little bit further from Madison Square Garden, where the Knicks played. We were virtually in the center of the two places, the the Izod Center or the Burn Arena, whatever it was called there, where the Nets played and Madison Square Garden. It was a short drive to either one, and... My, you know, from a very early stage of my career, I would go with a camera person to both of those arenas and interview whoever I wanted in, in, the, in the locker room about the different topics. So, you know, it's, it's you, you get, you, I got thrown right into it, right into it. And, you know, to this day, I relish those experiences and love to roll up my sleeves and, and, and inter, interview the athletes and edit and create the content, it never leaves you, you know, for as long as you've been in the profession and, you know, you get more into managerial roles and, you know, less and less, you know, on the front lines. But to me, that was an extremely special time and being in the locker room for the pregame speeches with my camera person to interview the, the coach, you know, talking to the players and detailing their game plan, and being in there for halftime at, at NBA All Star, and 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 in the locker room for the finals, and to have the um, headphones listening to the um, the feed of the players that were mic'd up, and to hear their conversations unedited live, you know, it's it's magical, you know, for a sports fan, it's magical, and I really got that unbelievable opportunity at a very early stage of my profession and, you know, also got to, you know, cover the finals every year, the all-star every year, the hall of fame inductions, the draft, you know, got to cover that, you know, virtually every year doing it alongside unbelievable people, unbelievable teammates. And and it was, um, you know, I hate to say this again, but it was a very special experience.
0: Don't don't ever stop saying it. Let people know. Magical. I love that when you use that word. Because if you could give me that feed, like, while I'm sitting on my couch listening. I don't want to listen to the announcers. I mean, the announcers are great. But, yeah, give me the player mic'd up feed. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that sounds like chills down my spine. That sounds absolutely incredible. Especially in a game like the All-Star game, too, where they're having a lot of fun. They're doing their thing. Like, that sounds great. But also give me, like, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals or something. You got two teams just slugging it out. I, I would I would pay money for that. I don't yeah. know why. Why can't I pay money for that yet? I guess that's my next question. There, no, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's I think it's really awesome. And I think one thing that's also really interesting is the NBA is always really looked at as a very progressive league, right? They're always looking to push the boundaries. They're always looking to change things. They're always looking for new and interesting ways to get things different. How what was that like over the 15 years that you were there? How much of that came through and the the ability for you to do you know as we were saying before, like. Be creative. Do what you want. Rather than, you know, the NFL is very, like, protect the shield at all costs, nothing you can do. The NBA is always like, let's play a game in China. Oh, you guys want to go to India? Let's go there. Oh, we want to get into crypto sponsorships. Oh, jersey patches. That sounds pretty easy. Let's make some more money. Like, how much did that come out, like, in the sport we can see it? How much did it come out on on your side of the business where you're producing this content, these videos, and trying to get even more creative and find new avenues to engage the fans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's de- definitely um, a part of the NBA. I, I, I think that I think it's we're in a different world in, in some regard. You know, if, if I remember correctly, and this is many years ago, you know, we had so many different platforms, you know, different um, uh, shows and promos and, you know, all the different things, but it really, uh, everything fit into the buckets, like it fit into a bucket. So, I, I understand what you're saying, Michael, but um, I, I just, from what I remember, you know, NBA action was was cut this way, and you know, this this mm-hmm. show was cut that way, and um, you know, I, I think the creativity came in um, with the editing. Like each editor brought a different style. This one was quick cuts. This one, you know, had a lot of Nat sound and, and and interviews. This one had a lot of voiceover with the narrator. Everybody had their own signature, and, and I think that that's where the creativity came into play um, more so then than um, I think what what we're seeing now. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the way it manifested itself back then.
0: Man, I thought that was a really good question, too. It, oh, we'll we move on, the on to the next. <laughs> That's fine. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Answer I do this for fun. The the I question do this for fun. right on the mark. <laughs> no. No. The, the answer is what the answer is. The question, yeah. I mean, I have to give the good questions to get the good answers. That's how it works. I guess my last part about the NBA before we move on to a little bit about what you're doing now, you did spend one year outside of the video production realm where you'd kind of like where you kind of you correct me here you're essentially the head of the pr for the g league the d league whatever it was called at the time um and i want to emphasize you were there for one year and then i don't maybe not quickly left but you left uh so i'm kind of curious like where what was the impetus to kind of change not to the other side of the business but to a, a different piece of the business To go do that, and and what were some of the positives and the negatives you saw while you were there for the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was there um, for one year and then got laid off after, um, you know, 15 and a half years at the NBA. Wow, I learned so much.
0: They laid you off after 15 years?
1: 15 years, and... um...
0: That's some shit, Larry. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm sorry. We'll we'll move on from that piece, but yeah, tell me a little bit about the PR side of it.
1: The thing is, is like, I learned so much like outside the video production realm, which which you spoke about, that I use to this day. And, you know, it was a short tenure um, with the uh, D-League at the time, G-League, but I learned so much about um, writing, you know, not, not writing for television, which I did for many years, um, you know, with NBA Entertainment, but a different form of writing, which is press releases. And uh, I was a salesperson, so to speak, of you know, with the national and the local media. Hey, we have this uh, D-League player who, uh, you know, does has this hobby or, or whatever, you know, and, and really selling it. You know, I mean, this wasn't the NBA players. I'm not selling Michael Jordan here. You know, I'm selling D-League players. And, and it really gave me a sense of, um, you know, how to sell, which I think is very important in every facet of life. Um, I also sold... To, to our internal assets, our NBA Inside Stuff and our NBA.com, selling D-League or G-League stories to them. Um, the people that I worked with were the top, at the top of their profession. Um, I learned a great deal. Um, and, then, and then soon after that, I went back to video production. <laughs> so um, it was um, a very interesting year. I'm thankful that it occurred. And um, I was able to get a six-page article in Sports Illustrated uh, written by Ian Thompson, um, who I knew at the time uh, for a few years, on, on the D-League Showcase, which was in Boise, Idaho. And the way I was able to sell um, having the article in the magazine as opposed to the website um, or in addition to the website was I was able to get a picture of every player in the league on the court at one time. And that that's how it was uh, basically, from my perception, it was like if I could get this picture, if I could coordinate this picture, I could get it in the magazine. And somehow I was able to do that. Every player in the league on the court at one time. And um, uh, yeah, so that that was the highlight of my... D League PR experience was was getting that six page article in Sports Illustrated. I'll never forget it. Eli Manning was on the cover of that Sports Illustrated magazine. But but that that was, like uh, that was that um, was one of the highlights. Another one was being a um, you know sort of a spokesperson for the league, being interviewed on radio uh, networks, um, you know, a few radio networks, and uh, and really learning another side of of the business. And again, like I said. I, I use those um, experiences and the skills that I gained in that one year. I I I, I u- utilize it to this day.
0: Absolutely, yeah. As you're saying, selling was a big piece of it. Understanding the like, right? You you come from the other side of the media, so now you understand. Why all you know who's pitching and why they're pitching and what these ideas are, what these stories are. And I think it's really interesting that you were able it was just a quick detour. You got right back on the highway, though, which is pretty important. But you got to learn, as you said, along the way, which I think people need to understand just because you're in video production doesn't mean you can't take a pit stop in PR for a couple seconds to understand why all these people keep sending you these damn emails. Right, Larry, they keep sending you the emails. Let's figure out why they keep sending them. I think that part's pretty important. So I do want to obviously talk about what you're doing now. Uh, one more time, I want to make sure I have it right. Senior producer of video, a sports video at USA Today. Uh, sounds important. I mean, seniors in there, producers in there. Sounds really cool. You got sports video. But what exactly do you do, Larry? And, and why do you love it so much?
1: Sure. Well, actually, there was one uh, stop in between USA Today and oh. the NBA. I worked at MSG Varsity which was a network owned by Cablevision devoted to high school sports. And there I yep. got to produce a, a documentary on Carl Anthony Towns when he was a, a sophomore in high school. And um, that, was, that was a tremendous experience and a great you know great many stories emanated from that relationship. But at USA Today, like you mentioned, I'm a senior producer. I've been there, I think, seven or eight years. Um, early on, um, I got to do a lot of interviewing, um, some on camera work, um, nat- naturally, you know, naturally on camera. Um, you look great. <laughs> but uh, thank you. But um, I got to interview um, Wayne Gretzky and Jim Kelly and Steve Young and Adam Silver and Carl Towns and so many others. And, and it was amazing. I did, um, I hosted Facebook Lives. You, you remember Facebook Lives? And I do, yep. um, you know, interviewed Arthur Blank right before his team, uh, right before he took off for the Super Bowl when his Falcons were in the Super Bowl, and um, it was a tremendous experience. Um, like I said, rolling up the um, uh, the sleeves and 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 doing you know the the video production work, the interviewing, the editing, that sort of thing. What I do now is is equally exciting. Uh, I leverage the relationships that I've built over. Um, 30 years in the industry to acquire interviews for sports video with a list athletes, you know, for our host and for our um, franchises that we, that we do um, video franchises in the sports department at USA today. And uh, like you mentioned with the, um, the pitches and the emails from PR people, I, I, I try to answer every one of them. And some of them are outlandish, you know, we would never do it. Um, but I try to answer as many as I can, and and the volume is is very high. I understand what it's like to to to, to pitch something, and you know, you are um, your job is on the line. Your you, you know, your mental value for, for for your for your own self, like your self confidence, is on the line. You know, will this person you know take this pitch? Will they ignore me? Will they reply politely? You know, I, I was there, you know, waiting, you know, refreshing my inbox all the time to see if, if you know, what replies would be out there. But, but generally speaking, um, you know, we, we've been very fortunate to, to get some, some interviews with some great athletes. Um, you know, if you could see right behind me over here is uh, my interview with, um, with Connor McDavid. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. is here. How am I doing with the uh, with the pen pointing? Great, First actually. There, right? It's like you've done this before. <laughs> um, Jack Hughes, uh, Muggsy Bogues, Dom- Dominique Wilkins. You know, it's we've really been extremely fortunate to be able to get these um, you know these top flight athletes, and it comes from uh, you know what I think is producing you know good quality content, and and when applicable. Um, you know, not shortchanging the sponsor that they're there to promote. So um, that that is really the recipe and the formula that i've that I've used um, in my latest um, my latest and current role within USA today.
0: I love it and I think it's really important um, from from a perspective of understanding network, right? You talked about your 30 years of experience and, and speaking with people and building that network. And I'm sure you didn't, you're too nice of a guy. You haven't burned too many bridges in your life. Right. And and then having the ability to then come back and say, Hey, like we have this media powerhouse of USA today, like poll, you know, I don't know anyone between the age of like 30 and 60 and ask them if they know what USA today is. I'm sure the yes is going to come up more often than the no. Right. So the opportunity to talk to these athletes and say, Hey, we can, you know, you, you can, come on, your sponsor's going to be happy, your brand's going to go up, their brand's going to go up, and we're just going to have a great conversation, right? It's it's that simple, and when you can sell something, as you were talking about, that you truly believe in, which is something that you've been doing for so long, so I'm pretty confident you believe in it at this point, that ability to create high-quality content, to have an engaging conversation that people actually want to pay attention to, sounds like you're living the dream, Larry. Uh,
1: yes, I, 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 I feel like I am, and, and I think, like, the way you put it is, is, is spot on, um, you know, in dealing with the reps for the, the top flight athletes. And, and I think it's, um, there's a couple of other things that come into play. Likeability. I think that's an extremely important, important. Back to uh, that word. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. It's one of those words I, I tend to use a lot. And also no surprises. I, I, I think that that's very important. Um, No surprises. Here's what we want to talk about. I can't give you the questions. I can't tell you here's our first question, here's our second question, here's our third question. Can't give you that. But what I can tell you is here's the topics that we're going to hit on. And I'm going to ask one or two questions about um, the sponsor. And, you know, it's, it's on the athlete to know his bullet points or her bullet points and to be able to accentuate you know, the, the key message points that they want to get across. And then if they don't, we usually ask it, ask it the same question in a different way to give that opportunity. It's, it's a partnership, you know, in, in a lot of ways and um, you know, and and it's been successful. And I think that's part of the reason why um, you know, they keep um, returning. Um, You know, you talked about Ross, Ross is fantastic. And he has supplied us with some tremendous uh, interviews. And, and I like to think that it's, um, you know, partly, um, you know, likability and partly he knows what to expect, you know. And I, I think that those are two very important um, characteristics. And, and, and also, you know, from, from a personal perspective, you know, I feel like I've, I've learned so much and I keep learning, you know, like you mentioned, I started out at the NBA as a producer, you know, I didn't do this, you know, but, you know, like I, I didn't do PR, but you learn and you keep filling your, your toolbox with with skills and knowledge and relationships and, you know, all these different important things that you, that you call upon no matter what you're doing or who you're doing it with. It's called experience and, and, and I think it's extremely important and, and knowing what to do and what not to do. You know the, the what not to do is 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 equally important, and, and I and I spoke about it a little bit earlier about the media training that that I do, and I do it because it's therapeutic for me as well as a learning experience for the athletes and 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 whoever else takes part in the media training. I also work with um, some um, business executives as well, but but it's like. I, I, I've lived so much and I see what works and what falls flat. You know, the athlete that said education means nothing to that to that person and all they wanted to do was get to the pros. You know what? They, a lot of pros probably think that. But that's not, you know, a, a, a best practice, you know, to verbalize it. It's a worse practice, you know. So, again, that's just one example. But there's so many different ways to grow your brand – um, one another way is respect for and knowledge of those who came before you. You know it's it's a simple way of, of connecting better and gaining likability. So basically, um, you know me being able to express some of these things that work and that don't work is, is is helpful to them and it also makes me feel better that I'm being able to utilize a lot of these, um, uh, important lessons that I learned, and it's not just you know for waste. It's not just wasting away. It's being it's being utilized.
0: Absolutely, I could only imagine. Uh, you, you gave that one example, but I'm sure there's less. Obvious examples as well of like oh why did that guy say this he could have said that and I'm sure when you watch interviews right it's like when in a when a, when a coach watches a game or when a player watches a game it's like oh why don't they do that oh they should have saw you you see things a little differently than you know me and you know everybody else watching so why not give that knowledge back why not give back as you said one of the things you love to do is volunteer I mean I hope you get paid for this but essentially those guys are going to get paid a lot more money than you hopefully one day Larry right and, <laughs> and it's understanding that that's a big piece of it. dealing with the media is a big piece of it if you have the media on your side you have a lot of people on your side if you don't have the media on your side you're Kyrie Irving right like it's it's like super easy to understand and see that like just very obviously And, and I think a lot of athletes are starting to become more privy to that a lot of athletes are starting to understand that this is this is a skill. This is something that you can work on. This is something that you can get help with. And it is something that you need to do because if you plan on and expect to be as big as you will be, ex- business executives as well, right? Same thing. Yep. A lot of people are going to be paying attention to every single little word you say. So you better have everything. You don't have to be buttoned up and right. You don't have to wear like the tightest tie and all that. But you have to understand what you're saying and why you're saying it.
1: And, and Michael, you're absolutely right. And it's not that difficult. It's about... Having a game plan, being able to have develop self-confidence through, through reps. That's all you need to do is do it over and over and over again, but doing it with a plan. And I, I like to call it having five key pillars to your personal brand. What are the five things that you want to get across in these interviews that, that promote a positive image for yourself? And then being able to organically segue from the question – when applicable, you have to have the right question, but being able to organically segue from answering the question to at least one of your um, message points or what I like to call key pillars to your personal brand. And if you don't get that question, don't force it. Kick it back out to the point guard and repost. You know, wait for the, wait for the applicable question. And, and, and the thing is, is like what I've seen – is that especially the younger people they play defense as opposed to offense. I teach offense defense is I don't want to talk about this I don't want to say this I don't want to do this I you know I, want to, I don't want to do that okay great the point like what I teach is offense how are you going to promote a positive image for yourself by saying what you need to say not avoiding the things that you, you not just avoiding what you shouldn't be saying. But what what should you be saying playing offense? And again, self confidence is the most important part, and that comes via reps.
0: I love it. And you got another rep in today. We're about fifty minutes into this thing. Larry, I, I have to ask it now. I want to do a little inside baseball. What are your five key pillars?
1: Oh, you're really putting me on the spot here!
0: <laughs> I hey man, you brought it up. If it's my job to ask, what those are, right? Like, I feel like if I don't ask, the people are going to be wondering. I just want to give them the info.
1: Five key pillars. I'm going to come up with it on the fly. And Mike, I I appreciate you you putting me on the spot, putting me on the spot like this. Um, passion for the industry. Um, yeah, you did a
0: lot of passion here. You're good there. That's good.
1: Um, n- knowledge, you know, not not just of the, you know, who was the Cy Young Award winner and. 72, but knowledge of, um, um, of video production, every, you know, as many facets of video production as, as possible, you know, and I like to think that I'm really strong at writing, editing, producing, interviewing, um, directing. Um, so, um, uh, wide array of skills, passion, knowledge for sports, um, team player and likable. And 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 very very likable. So right off the top of my head, and usually it'll take me like five or ten minutes to you know um, come up with with those key pillars. But right off the top of my head, those are my key pillars, and and I like to think that I, I know they're not made up. You know, they're not like uh, okay, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's not really a stretch. I mean, this this is who I am, um, and. Um, you know, I'm not lying on my resume, so to speak, you know, it's, it's, it's genuine. And, and, and I would say that those are the key pillars and more times than not, they they do come up within these interviews and these podcasts and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. So I appreciate you teeing me up, Michael.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. It's my job, Larry, and I will say I'll uh, I'll give you uh, stars across the board on all five of those. Each of those came across very clearly, um, and I do appreciate it. Shout out to Ross one more time. I think he's, he's the best. He gives me all the best interviews, and you're another one, Larry. You're just another one, and I appreciate that about him hey and about you. Uh, where can we find out more information about you? Where can we find some of these awesome interviews you've done, maybe a little bit about your media training? Give us some of the social medias, the websites, anything you want to share with the people.
1: Well, I, the best way is LinkedIn. You know, that, that is the best Perfect. way. And if you um, uh, search um, Larry Berger, USA Today Sports, you'll find it. And you talked about it earlier, um, you know, having a few minutes to talk to anybody who's interested in, um, you know, bouncing some ideas off, off, off of us and, you know, um, wanting some insight or whatever it is. I'm always available. I, I love it. It's my passion. I would love to hear from any of your listeners And um, anything I can do to help them, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. So LinkedIn, Facebook, um, those are the two uh, ways to get in contact with me.
0: LinkedIn's my favorite, so I'll make sure uh, to add yours to the, uh, the show notes for everybody. So I do appreciate that. But Larry, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your passion. You're a very likable guy. Your knowledge is off the charts about everything, about sports, about video production. It's been fantastic to see and hear and, and learn from you. And I think it's awesome for anyone else that out been out there to be able to enjoy this one as well. So uh, thank you for your time, you and everybody listening. Time's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me a little bit of yours. I'll make sure to put your LinkedIn bio in the show notes for everybody. But other than that, this has been great. Thanks so much, Larry.
1: Michael, I can't thank you enough. Have a, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.
0: Pleasure's all mine. Bye, everybody.